Hi, this is Jason Lee, pastor of Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by the weekly teaching podcast. This is week 11 of our Revelation series. We are going to be doing uh, Revelation all the way through the Christmas season. And so we hope you've enjoyed it. This is, uh, we're coming to the end. This is kind of like a turning point, I believe, uh, this week and next week. And then it starts to get positive again. Um, it's been a long time of negative talk and wrath and sin and making a choice. And really, Revelation is at its core about making a choice. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to choose the ways of the world? Um, so anyway, hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. Or you can go to your app store on your phone or your tablet and you can look for Casper Alliance Church. Download the app with the double C's and you're connected with us. Have a great week. Thanks. <laughs> and I promise we're going to turn a corner. We're in Revelation 18 today. Um, I'm going to let I'm going to I'm going to let you in. You know what? It doesn't even matter. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> uh, so this is the dilemma I have. This, so you can get into maybe a little bit of my brain space, which I I don't know if I'd encourage or just maybe you can track with me a minute. So as I as I keep talking, we're going through Revelation, all of it, and I kind of I kind of we we took a like a two week break, um, and then I just decided that we'd we'd make it go all the way up to Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve service will be in Revelation 22. I I, I won't preach like I do. On, maybe I will. I I shouldn't even say. But here's the deal: the last like three or four weeks have been really negative. And I'm, in, I'm just negative, maybe a little bit in general, so it's easy. But here's, here's the struggle, or even the, um, the, the way in which my brain is, is like working this. I go, I keep saying the same thing. I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm repeating myself um, regularly, saying the exact same thing every single week. But there's this, there's this thing that, it, that keeps coming out. That, that I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep preaching this exact same. And I'm like, these are different chapters. Am I really? Am I just being lazy? Um, what's happening? I'm saying the exact same thing. I get a text this morning from somebody, and they said you. <laughs> we didn't. I don't, we didn't really talk about this. They said you continue to preach the same thing until they understand. I don't know if that is an amen, <laughs> um, but what an encouragement to me this morning, somebody out there in the world said, say the same thing until they understand. And here's what I want you to understand. This is the point of this morning. This is the point of Revelation 18, the point of Revelation 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. 1, 2, 3. (laughs) 4 and 5 are a little different. You live you live in between times if you love Jesus. You live in the now but not yet if you love Jesus. You are currently situated in a place and a time where you know this is not eternal if you love Jesus. That this is going to go away. And that there's a thing that happens after this. Life everlasting, life eternal, in the presence of the Lord. Scripture teaches it uh, in God's presence. The point of Revelation is to triumph over the now. 
to experience the not yet in the positive form. Most people walk this planet, and I say most because this is the reality of it, most people walk this planet knowing that there is a now and a not yet, and they're not really concerned too much about the not yet because the now matters so much. And we consume ourselves with the now. Therein lies why Black Friday turned into Black Thursday night. With the now matters so much. We are consumed by the moment. And we want to enjoy the now. So we, we, we shape our entire world around now. So whatever I experience now, this is where we, we, we familiarize ourselves with phrases like YOLO, which I don't think is in, as popular as it used to be. But but. YOLO became like this, like a common vernacular for like people doing silly things. I only get it, I don't want to miss out. Let's YOLO, or even like if you want to go back even further, like hold my beer. Watch me jump this creek on this dirt bike. Work, I really can only get eight miles an hour if I'm going my best and at peak physical form. Which nobody that tries to do that is at peak physical form. Everybody who does that looks like me. And they hand some beautiful bride their beer and says, watch this. And they take, take, this is why we put strings over Niagara Falls and like say, let's go on barrels because I don't, we should. This is why we climb mountains we're not supposed to. It's there. I got to climb it. YOLO. Because we're drawn into now so much that everything in our world is shaped by the now. And I think what, ha- this is my conviction, Revelation is trying to teach you not some sort of crazy chart and diagram and puzzle and this whole like thing, and, and you're not part of the Da Vinci Code when you read Revelation. What it's trying to do is shake you awake and say that now is horrible, the not yet could be really bad if you don't triumph over evil. If you don't conquer this thing, we had a beautiful discussion, the the six or seven of us in Sunday school, about what evil tries to do to you. It tries to pin you into a corner and force you to make a decision that no way, shape, or form is a good one. Think of your own life and how you've made poor choices in your life or even been just trapped into a way to where you've made horrible decisions. I've told this story before, but it's the best one I can come up with. Driving down Highway 55, Interstate 55, moving from Minneapolis to Roseville, not moving, but going to work, right? It's a stretch of interstate that kind of connects around about Minneapolis and St. Paul so you don't have to drive through the city. And it just kind of, and you're there, right? And I worked in this, t- this suburb, Roseville, at a, at a wonderful a brick-and-mortar store. You've heard of them. They're, mo- they're called Wendy's. And as I'm driving on Interstate 55, Carter, this story's for you, since you bring it up to me multiple times in my life, my car starts on fire. Do you remember? Do you remember this story? My car starts on fire. Now, the, the front is smoking, but I didn't realize it was on fire until through the vents, flames come. <laughs> Anybody been in an experience like that where it wasn't intended to happen? Like, you're like, I'm going to hit the octane while I'm drag racing, you know, Vin Diesel and Fast and Furious, and the fire comes, that, that's... No, this is like uh, an 88 Cadillac, or a Cutlass Supreme gray piece of garbage car. Starts on fire. And it's like, and I'm, I'm like, this is not supposed to be happening. I did not hit the Nas. 
on my car. I, there is nobody I'm drag racing. I'm going to die in this moment. So I pull over on Interstate 55, and I, I did the one thing you're supposed to do, right, with fire. You open the hood. <laughs> Everybody, I YOLO'd my hood. I opened it up. What do you think it did? <laughs> Boom! In my face, right? Okay, I didn't die. Clearly, we're standing here in front of each other, and I didn't burn anything either. But I was scared, and I might have... I'm not going to say it. I love you, Adrian. And I look at my, my car, and every wire in it is kind of like melted. Right? And I'm going, I have like a mile to work. It was like right by the exit, right? I'm a mile to work. It's going to start. It's going to start. This car, this, this car is starting, and I'm going to get it to work. So I, I turn the gas, or the, the ignition, and the car starts. It's fine. A little flame, that's all. Drive it to Wendy's, park, get out, go work. I'm like, it's going to be a problem probably in the future. <laughs> but right now... I got to work, let's go make some money. Right, so I go do my shift, and I always worked what shift? Close. So Wendy's, back when Wendy's was fun, they closed like at midnight. So I was at work till two. I think I had prepped Adrian. I was like, listen, I know we've only been dating a little bit of time. I don't even know if we were dating at that point. I, who knows? Um, I called for a ride. Oh, the Adrian piece comes in later. I get a ride home, and I go back the next day to try to start my car, and it doesn't start. I look up, and it actually had melted even more. I assure you that that car sat there for like seven or eight months in that Wendy's parking lot. But here, I was backed into a corner. I needed transportation. I was currently going to Bible college full-time, and I was currently working at Wendy's full-time, which you asked how the math worked on that. Amazing, because I'm standing here before you. And I was backed into a corner. And Carter, what did I do? I bought a car with a credit card. I took a really horrible situation and I made it worse <laughs> because I was trapped into a corner. Now, was, was the cre credit cards evil? Probably not. If you're Dave Ramsey, you say yes. <laughs> they provide a certain function and this function probably wouldn't have been the appropriate function for a credit card, but that's how I utilized it. And it's what happened is, what, what I can look back now in my life and I say I utilized money in a very inappropriate way. And why I've had this one skill in my life that I know is true. I've always been able to make money. I've, no matter what, I can, I've been able to have a job and make money. I can continue work. I have, I have, I'm industrious when it comes to working. I could work multiple jobs. There's times where I've been at home and I go, you know what, I need to get a cleaning job at night when everybody's sleeping so I can go work more jobs. Because, and it's like this, I like to work. I like to go do things. I like to make, I like money because you know why? I've always been poor with money and I've always made poor choices with money. So as a hedge against poor decision making, I've always tried to make more money <laughs> instead of trying to fix the real problem, right? And this is the issue of living in the world. I promise you. That my silly illustration is we try to live in the now so much that we continue to make these choices, and sometimes they're not even sinful. They're just poor. They're bad decision-making. It's, it's, it's infantile. It's immature. It's lack of knowledge. Or it's lack of awareness. But it's, it's, it's unwise. And we make these decisions that actually create more and more chaos that do this one thing. They trap us in the world. 
in a way to where we actually don't know how to get out of it. And we're stuck living this life that we thought would be different because of all of the things that we've invited into our lives. We've become a trapped rat on a wheel racing. Revelation 18 is a, a, is a parody of a funeral service for the experience of all of the people who manage Wendy's and buy cars with credit cards. It is, it is the world's mourning over a loss of all of the things of the now. Now remember, if we go back last week, we talked about that one word, and I said it, and how this seductress of evil is in, inviting and bringing everybody in, to, in, in and it's evil is so enticing, and we just kind of get sucked into it. And then there, at the very end, she gets destroyed or eaten by her own people, and, and, the, and we like project it into uh, Babylon, the city, and now here's what you're gonna, I'm going to read to you. This is the mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, the, the crying, the sadness of losing the systems, the structures, the now in people's lives. It's a long chapter, and most of your uh, Bibles will subtitle it, The Fall of Babylon. Now remember, Babylon is the world's uh, from beginning of time till now is, is uh, the Scripture's way of describing the world system. So if you're a first century reader and you're reading and you read Babylon, the fall of Babylon, in your mind you're thinking what city? Rome. You're thinking of Rome. Throughout every generation there's been a Babylon. Babylon in Scripture is symbolic. There was a physical Babylon, but it's symbolic for us to understand that this is the system of the now. Does that make sense? The system of, like, today. We live and submit ourselves to it. So let me pick up verse 18 of chapter 17. And this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. What happened to the great woman? A few, she was killed and eaten. They ate her. Here we go. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout. This is the last of the great angels, by the way, as we read through Revelation. Great angels have shown up and done some things. This is the last one. Babylon is falling. The great, fallen. The great city is fallen. She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her because of her desires for extravagant luxury. The merchants of the world have grown rich. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins or you will be punished with her. Again, the people are experiencing this in real time. God is giving an opportunity for people to do what? Repent, to turn away, to go the other direction, to not partake, to say, I'm not going to be a part of this system anymore. I'm going to step out of this environment. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others 
so brewed twice as much for her. She glorified herself and lived in luxury, so match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am queen of my throne, on my throne. I am no helpless widow. I, am, I have no reason to mourn. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, God's judgment came on you. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant cyan, I don't even know how to say that word, cyan wood, ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood, and bronze, iron, and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, wagons, and body and bodies, that is, human slaves. The fancy things you love so much are gone, they cry. All your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. She was clothed in the finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. In a single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone. And all the captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews will stand at a distance. They will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, where is, the, where is there another city as great as this? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief. And they will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city the ship owners became wealthy by transporting her great wealth and seas. In a single moment, it is all gone. Rejoice over her faith, O heaven, and people of God and apostles and prophets, for, the last, for at last God has judged her for your sake. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, Just like this, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again. The sound of harps and singers, flutes and trumpets will never be heard in her again. No craftsmen, no trades will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again. For your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived the nations with your sorceries. In your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people, and the blood of the people slaughtered all over the world. This is God showing that the now gets destroyed. Now, this is, I think, going to be a fairly quick message. I really do. And you can hold me to it. The now, the now is so enticing and so necessary. We're at a current place where we're living in the now and don't understand how to navigate it very well because we have to, 
like our desire is to be sufficient and self-sufficient and take care of the people around us. And it's a biblical practice to take care of those around us and to work hard. And, to, and, and in Wyoming, we have a culture specifically that we work hard and we play hard. And, we, and we, there are people spending hours and hours and hours and hours working and grinding to have nice things. And there's nothing in this message that should be against that. What it is, is when you worship and love and crave the now more than the not yet, you begin to become, you begin to become a citizen of Babylon. And you, this is the whole point. You are living in a time, or forever, all of us have been living in a time from the generation of the beginning to now, to where we're living in between. And we have to recognize that. To where when you get sucked in so much to where you're trapped and you begin to make decisions, and this isn't just about finance, but you begin to make decisions um, that are not rooted in biblical structure or biblical literacy or biblical construct or even common sense that God puts in us. We become more and more a, a, a voting member of the Babylonian Empire. We become true citizens. We become patriotic to Babylon. And that becomes bizarre when the church lives in that way. See, we're supposed to be just a touch odd. Just a little bit weird. Enough where people go, that's weird. But I still want to talk to you because I need to understand why it's so weird. Not so weird to where people go, oh. I'm going to step out of camera. <laughs> for symbolic purposes. Because when we do get weird, people will walk away like that. What does that look like? And that's, I think, the struggle that we all live in when we live in the now and not yet. We don't know how to navigate that. So what is the, again, this is pretty plain and simple. You have to choose. You have to choose where you're going to show allegiance, where you're going to show your citizenship. Are you a citizen of heaven or are you a citizen of Babylon? Are you going to come patriotic towards Jesus or patriotic towards the things of this earth? Because we're promised and shown through Revelation that the things of the now get destroyed. And the, and the people of the now, whenever that happens fully, will continue to mourn over it and say, look at all that I've lost. All the meanwhile, while they're living in it, they're actually, they're actually exploiting and consuming. See, here's what's crazy, is when God created this, he gave us the power and, and the privilege and the honor to harness all that God has put in creation to create the best life that we can possibly experience. See, medicine and cars and buildings and wealth is not evil in its, in its uh, construct. It's not. But when man uses it selfishly, exploits it, and perverts it, it becomes evil. And you know evil, Satan, is working hard to make the things that we enjoy and love, and God has given to us his blessing to turn it upside down back into his kingdom. All the while, Jesus came in and tried to turn it back the other direction towards the upside down kingdom. And there's this tension right in the middle where we live till we know that we can either give allegiance to Jesus and it flips our world upside down, or we can give allegiance to the enemy, and it kind of turns it back the other direction. And we don't ever want to say we want to give allegiance to the enemy, but our practices and actions and behaviors and belief systems actually say that. Now, that's where it gets confusing, because we live in this place to where we have to like kind of navigate, and it gets complicated. 
we got to stand on this side of the fence and say, I don't agree with that. I'm going to alienate myself because I don't agree with that. We said it. Jesus is super inclusive. There is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to the positive, not yet. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's it. But the church needs to position itself to be inclusive, to have an ability to share the truth of the inclusive Jesus Christ. You see how that just even in that alone causes us tension and frustration. And when we try to live it out in a way to where we think we can organize it, we do things like, I'm going I'm to throw some people under the bus. Not in this room. Church, culture. We do things like the emergent truth, or the emergent church, to where we say, hey, just come over, and we'll just talk about everything, and everything. Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth, but Jesus is love. What? All of a sudden, everybody loves Jesus, but nobody lives it out. We're just like, I'm comfortable with me. I think Jesus was a pot smoker. What? Jesus would never do that. He's all love. Jesus is love. You think the Bible even says God is love. So I can do this. This is what God said I can do. God is, there's no accountability. And you know what gets birthed out of that? The universal church. We all get to go there. Now, Jesus is inclusive. And exclusive. All at the same time. And it's painful to live in. Then later on, in life, you were like, you know what? Let's do the attractional church. The attractional church, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put some smoke machines up there. We're going to flip a couple of songs around. So, like, we'll do, like, Hey Jude to start us out. We went to a church in, in Minneapolis called Evergreen. Is that that emoji, Evergreen? No. If you follow it on Facebook, we're screwed up in our household. We cannot solve this emoji puzzle. Anyway, <laughs> if everybody's saying dead pine trees in their mind, that's wrong. Now, there's a church called Evergreen, and they started the service with, like, I think it was Hey Jude. And you're going, what is this? But we'll put some lights up, and we'll put some smoke out, and we'll, like, and the pastor come up and be like, what's up, bro? Word vomit. That was the attractional church. And that actually just ended, like, a couple of years ago. People are like, you know what? I think we need something a little more authentic. I think we need something a little more visceral. I think we need, and we need something that has a little more synergy with the people of Earth. What? Shut up. Like all these catchphrases, right? And you know where we're at right now, and this is dangerous. It's called the deconstructed church. And it's ugly. Because it's taking, it's taking the tenets of faith and deconstructing them. Or reimagining them. This is when... Again, people, us, we try to live in the now and not yet. We try to live in the exclusivity and inclusivity, which is actually what we're supposed to be doing. And we do it all backwards because we're fallible. We're a mass. We're humans. And we want to be loved. And we want to be liked. And we want to be rich. And we want to have good things. And we want to have, drive nice cars. And we don't want our cars to be lit on fire while we're driving them. So we buy them inappropriately. And we get us in all kinds of problems for the rest of our lives. This is what happens, and it, it's not your story and my story. We can add to it, and there's, but this is how we live, and this is the problem, because it's so hard to get out of it. And in fact, there's not even a good way to, and I'm going to argue that there's not even, we're not even supposed to. You're supposed to be here. 
right here on this line. And you're supposed to be able to say with love and compassion and joy and excitement for Jesus that that's wrong. And do it in a way that's gracious and loving, not like me. Do it in a way that like, is inviting and brings people in and says, yes, I can talk to you about that. See, what happens is we get so consumed, and this is, if you look at your culture right now, if you just watch the news, we get so consumed with not being loving and gracious and discussing something, we get so consumed with, I want to be right. I want to be right so much that I'm going to tell you that you're wrong and that you're a racist, that you're a homophobe, you're a xenophobe, you're a germaphobe, you're, you have all the phobias. Every, because you, you're bad. When I read Revelation 18, I see us living right there, right now. And we're mourning the things that we're losing. We're mourning losing our freedoms. We're mourning losing our finance. We're mourning losing our, our industry. We're mourning using the things that used to give us a life that we love. We're mourning all of the things that could go away. We're mourning all of that. We're being sad because we used to exploit it in such a way that we could, we could soothe ourselves so much that we didn't realize that we were actually living as citizens of Babylon. Think about that. What a trick. Evil is so tricky. That You know what? I'm going to build this evil construct for you and you can consume from it and you can take from it and you can benefit from it and then you can, you can slowly just get soothed to sleep. A few weeks ago, I ended my talk with yelling, wake up, church. That's the point of Revelation. We're turning a corner here, starting with chapter 19 next week, where things get positive, and they show the picture of the not yet. This is what it's going to look like. And you need to triumph over this. Do not become the merchant standing on the side going, we lost all of our things. We lost all the stuff that we had. And hear me, this is not a criticism towards having nice things. It's not. It's giving allegiance to those things to where you forget who your allegiance is supposed to be for, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. When your allegiance is towards others and you're consumed and, and, and trying to consume in a way to where you forget that you're a person of the kingdom of Christ, you become a kingdom of Babylon, part of the Babylon, and that's the problem here. That's why it's such a great warning. That's why the, the prostitutes described as enticing, because we understand it's easy to get sucked into that. It's so easy to be drawn into that. Is there anybody here that watches anything on television? I can, when I decide I'm going to sit down and watch TV or watch something, whether it's this plus or that plus or this plus or that plus, we have a lot of pluses in our house. We have multiple pluses. We are good at math. I hope Netflix Plus comes out soon so we can add more content there. This is, this is not old. We could flip through trying to find something to watch for longer than actually watching something. I even do that on Right Now Media. Where I just do like, flip, flip, no, no, no. I'll choose something. Legitimately, I'll choose something. And I'll be like, 10 minutes in, I'm going, I'm bored. Let's find something else. Flip, 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 flip. It's like the perfect illustration for what it's like to be soothed to sleep. You're busy doing nothing. Busy doing nothing. I'm so tired of doing nothing, I'm just going to keep doing it. 
We're given a picture in Revelation of what that ends up looking like. Complete destruction. It's all going away. Does that mean you should all go cancel your Netflix subscription or your Disney Plus subscription or your Plus Plus or Paramount Plus or HBO Max Plus? Or should you cancel those? I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you it's complicated and I get it. So here's what we need to do. I'm going to try to, <laughs> I'm going to, try to help you, maybe, a little bit. Marie, during Sunday school said this phrase, which is great. We have to be willing to have uncomfortable conversations. We have to be willing to have uncomfortable conversations with ourselves. In a way into which we can go, am I giving allegiance to the Lord with what I'm currently doing? doesn't mean you can't have hobbies or collect baseball cards or go out to dinner or be a foodie. I think when Paul addresses this, when he says, Give, do everything, giving praise and honor to the Lord, that's a paraphrase, this is what he means. You can do, you can watch Blue Bloods and give honor to the Lord. I think that that's possible because your allegiance is not just about, it's not just about what you're doing in the moment. It's about where your heart is oriented towards. Are you orienting your life towards the person of Christ? And I would argue as we orient ourselves more and more and more, we will look weirder and weirder and weirder. The commune principle we were talking about, we might make a commune. And that might be weird. I wouldn't join it. I would just laugh from the outside, show up on Sundays and preach to you guys. But, like, <laughs> but there is like a thing that happens when you start to shape your per- yourself and you orient your, your ways towards Christ. It is, okay, it is literally impossible to leave the city Because it's where we live. It's where God's people live. And we have to acknowledge that we're in the in-between. The people of God, uh, theologian wrote this, the people of God can depart from the city only figuratively by actively refusing to accept its norms, its values, and its beliefs. Departure is a metaphor for the inward change of leaving Babylon. It's not a matter of geographical relocation, but an inner reorientation. There's nothing more powerful than allegiance, Jesus-loving allegiance to him, people who live in the city, who are incarnational to the people, that are engaging in them in a way to have a conversation, to have a discussion, to have a, a dialogue, to be able to even be invited into the place where you can say, I don't agree with this, and let me show you why. And let me show you how Jesus is inclusive and exclusive at the same time. And I don't always have to have the answer for everything, but I need to be able to at least engage in the conversation. And Joy said in Sunday school this morning, we need to not always be on the defensive to where we're def- like entering in the conversation ready like this. And every conversation we have right now is like this, where we're ready to fight somebody. And I need you to understand this. Living in Babylon, being in this geographical location of the city of Babylon, requires you to have a heart that's oriented towards the Lord, but loving the people of it so that you can invite them into this inclusive community of Jesus. It's complicated. I understand that. I don't have great answers for you. I I was stumped last Sunday. I was asked a question that was so hard. I don't know how to give it an answer. And I've been asked... Really bizarre questions. Remember I was in student ministry for a long time? Can God create a cow pie so heavy he can't lift? 
It, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, those are the kind of questions that I used to be asked. This one was tough, and I don't have an answer for it. And it's really insightful, and it's a good question. And the people of this earth are trying to seek out an answer for why is everything like this all the time? And we're at this opportunity, at this crossroads of life, where we are required to say we have a faith and an orientation towards the Lord, and we want to show you what that can look like, and we're not perfect in any sort of way, but we're trying real hard. And we love you, and we want you to understand we love you, and we don't really know how to love you the best, but we're going to try real hard. See, this journey that we're currently living on, it, it, it's just, it's, I did it, and I'm, I'm standing with you. It's complicated. It's so tough. And it's easy for us to just put, to say black or white, black or white, this is right, this is wrong, this is right, this is wrong. But I'm telling you, if we went around this room and we all started to put our beliefs on the table, we would all disagree with one another with a bunch of different things. Is that what the church is designed to do? No. And this is the story of Revelation to the church. Remember how it starts. Triumph over these things, triumph over these things. Here are the things that you're doing wrong, here are the things that you're doing well. Triumph. Conquer evil. You must conquer evil. Evil wants to kill and destroy you. And if you conquer evil, this is what it's going to look like. And we're going to start reading that next week. 19, 20, 21, and 22. This is the not yet. The positive not yet. Not the negative not yet. And I really believe that this, if we can figure this out, at least like 1% better than we currently are, we will have such a great witness to the nation. such a great witness when we can stand before people and go I don't know how to answer that well I'm going to try to figure it out I love you and I want you to understand that Jesus loves you too and I know that sounds trite and like, like a platitude but I'm, in, I'm desiring to discuss things with you when, we're, when our value is discussion and engagement over conflict and stubbornness the church wins. And this isn't what I, I'm not talking about a laissez I'm not talking about a, a willy-nilly belief system. I'm talking like a hard line. There is a hard line in what truth is. And we're, it's not good, you know, what's good for you is good for me. And good. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we're on this side. And Jesus is very exclusive. But the church is incredibly inclusive. And we welcome you. And we welcome the discussion and the engagement and we want to know and understand, and we want to love you where you are, and we want to fight with your, 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 what you think. And here's the deal. You know how many people on this planet have been hurt by churches? How many of you have been hurt by a church? How many of you have been hurt by this church? This is the point. Like, we continue to be stubborn, and we want to argue over, discuss, and engage. We want to be right more than we want to be loving. And what I'm telling you is Revelation 18 is all about everything of this world coming to its close. And what happens is, is the people of, of Babylon, the people who are patriots to Babylon, they mourn over their loss. Not because of where they're going to end up, but because of what they've lost. And that's the nuts and bolts of the story of Revelation. Don't get be consumed by what you're going to lose, be consumed by what you're going to gain. When you're consumed by that, 
everyone you see, every car that drives by the church, every, every house in your neighborhood, every country on the planet needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Needs to hear the hope that is only in Christ and Christ alone. They don't need your tricks. They don't need your fancy words. They, don't need, they, want, your, they want you to just be a person and be honest. And that's hard. And I'm telling you out loud, it's hard. We're trying to give the right answer at the right time with the right words, and we're scared. And sometimes the best answers are, I don't know. But I believe God is good. And I love him. And let's work on this together. Let's try to figure this out together. So I, this is the story, again, of Revelation. We're reminded of the world's futility. Our desire to live in it needs to be... And our desire to be in the not yet, the positive side of the not yet, needs to consume the way in which we orient our life. When we do that, even though our car gets lit on fire while we're driving it, I do believe we're apt to make better, wiser, godlier choices. Over the next four weeks in Sunday school, adult Sunday school, I'm going to be teaching it. Well, not Christmas. I don't know if there's three weeks. We're going to look at Daniel. We started today. We're going to take pieces of Daniel. And Daniel's a fantastic example of how to live in the Babylonian city and live for Jesus at the same time, based on, and here's the word, conviction. We have to live with conviction. Conviction is the constant in our life. The conviction to love Jesus fully, it pushes us. It pushes us to make right choices. It pushes us to do well. It pushes us to think about God first. I'm going to, I say short, I was wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. Last thing. Just because it came up, I wasn't planning on this. Uh, turn with me to Daniel really quick. Daniel chapter 6. The most famous Daniel passage. Daniel story. Where's Daniel in my Bible right now? There it is. Well, the worship team will come up. Um, I don't. What are you singing? Okay, perfect song for this, right? Daniel 6. This is, the, this is Daniel in the lion's den. And you know that we're going to talk about some of these big stories this next year, like all the famous stories, but, you know, this is where there's a lot of nuance in here that we talked about during Sunday school. But one of the, a couple of things I want you to capture. Verse 10. We know that the people, uh, Daniel's co-workers, tried to go against Daniel and set up laws, and King Darius signed the law so Daniel could be punished for it because they were jealous of his work and they wanted to have his job. and be, They wanted him out of the picture, right? It wasn't a religious conspiracy or religious persecution. Don't read it that way. It's not that way. But here, look at what Daniel does. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down, here's the phrase, as usual. As usual. In his upstairs room and his windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day just as he had. See, we get locked into the big picture stuff of Daniel, but here's the Daniel story. He did it every day, just as he had, per usual. So when conflict or things of this world 
entered into his face the conviction and the practices that he had, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of going before the Lord, the discipline of putting, having allegiance towards God at his priority because it was part of his daily practice, it was part of who he already was, would sustain through any sort of thing that would happen to him. Right? So being locked into a den of lions, we celebrate that God protected him. You know what's crazy to me? I don't think Daniel cared. I don't think he said, you know what, God's going to protect me. He wasn't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In this particular situation, he's like, whatever, I'm going to go. And we don't get to feel that part, right? But what we do is this precursor to it. The things that, God, that Daniel was, the things, the conviction that he had, the spiritual consistency that was in his life before propelled him to a place to where he just went. He, he had prayed as usual, just as he had done before. This is the thing that gives us allegiance to the Lord to where we live it out every day, regardless of the stuff that comes at us, regardless of Omicron and Delta and Nu and all the different variants that are, they're going to continue to throw at us for the next 20 years. We just live with conviction, a spiritual practice, because we did it yesterday. We're going to do it today. We're going to do it tomorrow. Because it's building us up to have consistency so that we can honestly out loud say, I don't understand how to do it, but I do know that Jesus is very inclusive and very exclusive all at the same time. And we're just trying real hard to invite you into that relationship as well. It's hard. It doesn't preach very well, but it's truth. But conviction will give us the words daily to sustain whatever it is. Whatever it is. You hear that? You tracking? Let's stand and sing.